Well, it's so fantastic to be uh, with you today, and um, uh, we arrived uh, on Friday night, and we arrived at an Airbnb, and your team left for us this fantastic bag of food for us, which was super grateful for, and made all the difference, and I thought, you know what, that's brilliant, because I'm going to be talking about a story from Scripture today involving food, so this is going to be a prop uh, for me and for you to look at all the way through this talk, okay, about food. I have to say, so far, we haven't done that well um, in seeking out authentic food. We ended up in Starbucks, I'm afraid to say. <laughs> uh, we just went where what was safe for us. And so, but we're going to learn this week, I'm sure, and we're going to enjoy lots of the amazing food that's on offer here. Um, today we're going to be looking at one of the great passages uh, in Scripture involving food and a miracle of Jesus uh, in John chapter 6. Uh, you might want to, uh, if you have a Bible, you might want to get that out ready, John chapter 6. Um, you might want to have a way of taking notes because I believe the Lord is going to be speaking to us this morning. He's going to be encouraging us. He's going to be encouraging you. Maybe you've come in this morning and you really need that voice of the Lord just to encourage you to strengthen you for what he's calling you to. And I believe he's going to speak to us this morning from John chapter 6. But before we get to that passage, if you've got it out, just keep a finger in there. I just want to talk a little bit as an intro about what we've been speaking about, worship for everyone, and how it's about elevating children, lifting up children and young people in our worship times. And the first step we're going to be speaking on later in the conference this afternoon with CHCBB, the first step in doing that is just noticing children and young people. Noticing. Now, if, if you, you, you have children and young people yourself in your family, obviously you do notice them. But for all of us, every age and stage of life, the challenge to notice children and young people, and especially when it comes to the Bible, when God is at work, we often think of it as a collection of stories involving adults, some, maybe like the Marvel Universe or something, right? Like these amazing stories of God doing great things through adult superheroes or something. But when we look closely again, almost every key moment through salvation history, we see the presence of children and young people as well. In fact, when we ran our Worship for Everyone conference back in Gas Street Church in Birmingham, who say hello to you all, by the way, when we ran it this summer, we created a short video to explain this concept that children and young people are all the way through these Bible stories. And we called the video, I Was There. I Was There. So we'd love you just to watch this 30-second quick video, I Was There. I was there. I've always been there. Though you might not read or hear about me anywhere. Maybe I was young. Maybe I was small. But I was still there. I witnessed it all. I remember when all I'd known in my short life was slavery. Then Moses appeared and demanded that all of us be set free. I remember running with my mum through the walls of the Red Sea following the pillar of fire that towered over me. I was there, watching as the men marched around Jericho, their trumpets making a mighty sound, then watched in awe as the walls of the great city came tumbling down. I was there through prophets and kings. I too was exiled from the promised land. 
alongside Daniel, who was around my age when he declared he would only bow to God and never to any man. I was there. I heard the prophecies, the promises a saviour would come. I heard the rumours of this man born in Bethlehem claiming to be God's son. I felt the excitement that while others turned us away, he said, let the children come to me. Then used the lunch of a small boy to feed 5,000 that were hungry. I was there. I was in the crowd on that day. I followed with the others as he traveled around to preach and to pray. And after witnessing the tragic moment that he went away, I was there later when we all hid away. But then, in the upper room came the wind and the flames and the Holy Spirit fell and the early church was made. We've always been there, like Samuel. We can hear the voice of God. With faith like David, we too can slay Goliath with a rock. We are the past, the present and the future. A generation called to carry his light. We are filled with the Spirit, so we too will see visions and prophesy. And we won't let anyone look down on us. Because we are young, for Jesus taught that it's people like us that carry his kingdom. Isn't that amazing? That children and young people were there. First-hand experience of God at work. They were present in the Old Testament at both planned annual worship events and unplanned crisis meetings, celebrations and renewals. They were there. And so we're going to look at John chapter 6 and we're going to focus on one of the children who was there to see what we can learn this morning. That's what we're going to do together, okay? And Joel's going to come up, my son, and going to read to us John chapter 6, verses 5 to 12. John chapter 6, verse 5 to 12. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. So this is a famous story, often known, isn't it, if you know the story, is the feeding of the 5,000. But the first thing to notice here is that this wasn't just 5,000. It was 5,000 men. But in Matthew's version, we know that there were women and children also present. I was there. This was a multi-generational 
gathering, just like we had in the first 10 minutes with all, all the children in the room with us. It was a multi-generational gathering. And so Jesus actually fed far more than 5,000. How many were there? Well, scholars estimate that if there were 5,000 men, it's, this isn't hard maths, people. If there were 5,000 men, they estimate there were 5,000 women. If there were 5,000 women, uh, they estimate maybe, and everyone had two children maybe, there could have been as many as 20,000 people present at this amazing miracle. Now, I was trying to imagine what does 20,000 people look like. We have a music venue in London called the O2 Arena, and it holds about 20,000. It holds about 20,000 people. Which, which just kind of is crazy, isn't it? Because the feeling of the 5,000 sounds an amazing miracle for Jesus to do. But the feeling of the 20,000 men, women, children, youth, all together in one place. How amazing is Jesus? Just pop that back up for a minute. How amazing is Jesus? The first thing that speaks of is he cares for every single dot on the screen. Every single one of us in the room, even if you've come by accident or maybe you're just visiting this morning, God cares for you. He provided for 20,000 people. It speaks of his abundance, of his provision, that there were even 12 baskets left over the abundance of God. Thank you, you could take that off. But secondly, this wasn't just a multi-generational event, and that's what I want to point out. But also, by focusing on the boy in the story, we realize that this miracle happened, yes, because Jesus is incredible, but also because one boy brought his food, his lunch, and let go of it and gave it to the disciples, to give to Jesus. He let go of something precious to him. And that facilitated this miracle happening. Now, in the UK, when I was at school, we had something called a lunchbox. A lunchbox, it looks something like this. In the, in the mid-80s, when I was at school, was anyone else at school in the mid-80s? Any, anyone my age, roughly? Yes, come on, nothing to be shy about. Be proud of the 80s. 90s. So I had a, um, a Thomas the Tank Engine lunchbox, pretty much like this, little plastic box, and open it out, and, and I would have a couple of cheese sandwiches, bag of crisps, and a drink, and um, you're supposed to have some fruit, but I usually had a Kit Kat or something, some chocolate biscuit, and thank you, you could take that off. But I imagine, so you, you imagine what it would mean for you, but for me, I imagine if I was the boy in the story, I'd be bringing that lunchbox. And I wouldn't want to let go of it. It's my food. I need it halfway through the day to carry on what I need to do. But this boy, he brought it. And today, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about the boy bringing his lunchbox, bringing what he had so that God could reveal the wonder of Jesus to 20,000 scholars think. So God's kingdom, first thing we learn, is about all ages contributing. All ages and stages of life. It's for everyone to get to play in God's kingdom. We know that from Romans 8 that um, God just 
doesn't talk about family. He talks about the big family of God. That we get adopted as sons and daughters into God's family through Jesus. That everyone gets to play in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is about intergenerational power that is released when children and young people are not just watching or hearing about what happened, but they're involved in the present moment of it happening as the people of God, as Becky spoke about earlier. Sometimes now, we can act, can't we? And in our church, we can act sometimes. Like, like um, really, that you have to be a certain age or stage of life for God to use you. And certainly, um, this is true in everyday life. There are rules, aren't there, for different ages. Uh, so, for example, um, my other son, Noah, he's, he's just hit 11, and so now he can go to secondary school. Or say, Daisy is now 15, that means in the UK, she's responsible to put her seatbelt on in the car. Up to this point, I was responsible, right, as the parent. Now she's responsible. If she doesn't put it on, it's her fault, okay? Um, at the age of 16, I know here in Malaysia, you can get your motorcycle license. At the age of 16 in the UK, you can buy your own pet. It's a lesser known law. <laughs> and a slightly worrying law as a parent, because suddenly, next year, Daisy could just come home with some pet that I haven't given authority for. So that's, that's worrying. So there are certain age limits, aren't there, on films you can watch, for example. There are certain age limits uh, in the world. But in the kingdom of God, when we look at Scripture closely, there doesn't seem to be these limits. Same Holy Spirit, the same risen Jesus, the same Father God to us all. One boy offers up everything he cares about in this moment for Jesus to move, for Jesus to act. In the story, I've always thought of this boy as around, I don't know, eight or nine years old or something. That's how I've imagined him. I don't know how you would imagine him in this story. And there's many, as I've just seen, at the start of your gathering, there's many children under 11 here, isn't there? I don't know how, what the actual numbers are, but there's many. So just picture all of them, that God wants to use our under 11s to speak to us in their freedom in worship, when sometimes we're a bit more nervous as adults. God wants to use their willingness to trust, to teach us what it means to trust our Heavenly Father. God wants to use our under-11s to contribute like the boy in the story. What about our youth? Are there any, any under-18s in the room? Just give me a wave. Anyone here? Anyone? There's a few. Yeah, yeah. There's a few of us. Our young people. Did you know that scholars think that Mary and almost all of the disciples were teenagers in some way? It's incredible. Uh, late teens, probably most of the disciples, with the exception of possibly Peter, uh, being a young adult, early 20s maybe, but so much younger than we often think. And th these are the people that Jesus chose to train up, to represent who he is as in the world. These are the people Jesus chose to heal the sick and to represent him. They were changed as teenagers from 
scared to brave, from simple fishermen to world changers, because they gave their equivalent of the lunch to Jesus. They let go and followed him. God wants to use you. If you're under 18 in the room today, God wants to use you massively to represent him. We want to be churches where young people and children flourish in their full potential of him. And the verse in the video, 1 Timothy 4.12, has always spoken to me. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Last week I went back to the church I grew up in. It's in the northwest of uh, England near uh, Liverpool. Liverpool you might have heard of, the Beatles came from. And also there's a couple of football clubs there. I'm a Manchester United supporter if anyone's interested. Uh, my brothers supported, I had two older brothers, they supported Liverpool, so I rebelled. I'm not supporting Liverpool, I'm going to go opposite Manchester United. But you know what, the Lord has blessed me, because when we arrived yesterday, he's blessed me massively, but also when we arrived yesterday, we wandered over to Pavilion, this is not in my notes to say, and guess who was there, Man United fans in the room? Brian Robson. Anyone know that name? Player manager? From the mid-80s. Right, anyway, carrying on. <laughs> carrying on. I, last week I went back to my home church near, near Liverpool. And I grew up there as a, as a child and as a young person. And when I grew up there, it was teeming with life. It was like you are today. It was full of life. It was vibrant. People were serving on worship. People were serving in children's church. People were serving on tea and coffee. People were serving in the worship team and on uh, doing the, the screens for us and the audio for us, like today. Amazing team being involved. When we went back the other day, it was still a loving community. It was still had life in it and, and lovely, supporting, caring, prayerful, worshiping community. But now, it's grown old. Now, those who were young 30 years ago serving on worship team are still serving, but they're 30 years older. Those serving on kids team 30 years ago are still serving on kids team, but now older. Now, don't mishear me. It's amazing to have older generations right at the heart of the church. We need every generation together. And now I'm old, I agree with this entirely. But my home church had somehow lost the younger generation in the last 30 years. And they're working hard and praying hard at what they can do. Somewhere along the way, you know, we didn't realize it today, maybe we don't realize it tomorrow, maybe we don't realize it next week, after 30 years, we suddenly realize we haven't maybe elevated enough children and young people. We haven't perhaps encouraged enough children and young people like the boy in our story. We haven't perhaps released enough and said, go for it. It might not be how we would do it, but you go for it. 
Fail fast if you're going to do it, the founder of Nike said. Go for it. Try it. This is what we have to do to not lose a church that grows younger, a community that stays intergenerational, all ages and stages growing together. And every one of us, and why this message is for all of us, has a part to play. Psalm 78.4 says this, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. Not we might, or perhaps we will, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. That's why those first 10 minutes with all the children in here on a Sunday is so important. Because it's, it's not just like a, a sing-along time of worship, but it's symbolic of the very DNA of God's big family together and elevating children together. That's why we call what we, we do worship for everyone together. As I come into land in the final few minutes, I want to return back to John 16. We've seen how the boy brings his lunch to Jesus and how the kingdom of God is a place of involvement for children and young people. We've seen how this is not just a message, though, for children and young people. It's a message for all of us. How every generation has something to bring to God through Jesus in the power of the Spirit. And how Jesus will do marvelous things through every one of us as we come to him. We are all needed. Every age, the message is the same. God can use us in a powerful way. So one of the questions I want to leave you with this morning is, what have you got to bring to this Jesus? What do you carry? What has God given you that you can bring to this Jesus? That in his hands, amazing wonders can happen if we bring it and offer it to Jesus. It might be your gifts, your talents, what you do at work. It might be your character, what scripture calls the fruits of the spirit. It might be just as simple and as powerful as your kindness. That's how you treat the person in front of you every day. But today is a moment to come open-handed and bring those things to Jesus again. Because they're powerful when you do them. But when he does them through you as well, when he adds his Holy Spirit, you stand back in awe and see something far beyond what you thought possible. Not just 5,000. Remember when we suddenly saw 20,000 people? that God met that day. There's a verse in Ephesians that says this, that captures it well. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. It's just that bit on, is it? Yeah, fine. So he, God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine when we let go and bring what we can do. And if we could have those next two words on. You see, when the boy brought what he could bring, I think these two things happen. And when we give what we can give to Jesus, 
First of all, it's a blessing to so many others. It's a blessing magnified by the Holy Spirit to so many others, as we saw the boy bringing his food and Jesus multiplying. But secondly, we gain for ourselves wonder, as Becky mentioned as well. Can you imagine the boy bringing his little food, his little lunch, letting go of it? Oh, wow! The wonder of a child as he saw it pass on and 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 on. I can imagine his eyes wide open. And then he will have turned as he remembered who did the miracle. And he will have beheld Jesus. Jesus. Wow. How did you do that? Can you imagine the conversation afterwards? The little boy, I can imagine him running up to Jesus, the disciples, that's usually the teenagers trying to stop the under 11 getting close to Jesus. But he's like, Jesus, tell me, how did you do this? This is amazing. Or maybe, because he was so small, he couldn't use words like that. And it just came out in his body. You know, when a child just starts dancing or moving or just so excited because he can't contain the wonder and the wonder leads to worship. Maybe in this story we have one of the very first true worshippers of Jesus in the boy. The moment that isn't in the text maybe as he sees what happens. And so these things are on offer to every one of us today. If we give to Jesus what we've got our time, our energy, our money, our commitment, our will. We will receive wonder that leads to worship and we will be a blessing that is magnified multiple times by the power of God. And God can do amazing things through a community like this and a community that will elevate and lift up children and young people and have them at the heart of the community. As I end, if I was you, I'd be wondering, has he actually got any food in it? <laughs> is, is this his lunch for later on? Because we're here all day. Is this his lunch for later on? Well, do you know what? All that's left in this bag from, from when we opened it the other day, all that's left is just a few crumbs I'll have to clean this up in a minute. But there's a few crumbs left in here, but it's pretty empty. And I wanted to end the message this way because any crowd like this, there will be some of us who feel like that bag right now. Like this talk of giving what we've got to Jesus, maybe energy, time, maybe gifts, maybe character. We could feel like, oh, I have... I'm out, I'm empty, I haven't really got much today, I haven't really got much in this season, I maybe stretched my time, I'm so busy, work, family. What this boy brought in the story was relatively crumbs, wasn't it? Five loaves and two fish. And so the encouragement I want to end with today 
is even if you feel empty, even if you feel all you've got is some crumbs, bring it today. Bring it again. Bring yourself again and trust in the Lord to multiply, to do wonderful things that bless many people. Amen.